Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. Don't try it. You're wasting your vocal cords. And above all, it won't work. work. The office of Prime Minister requires integrity and honesty. And honesty. What's up, everyone? I am Steve Topple. It is Sunday, the 15th of September. And that can only mean one thing. It's this week's edition of Topple Uncaged. Boris. He inherits a country that's been held back. Boris Johnson. Yes, that is the fantastic cabinet of millionaires versus Zion trying with Stop the Coup, the Feffel Mix. I was torn which song to play this week, so I decided to play two, Cabinet of Millionaires being one of them, and you'll get to hear the other song, which many, many of you requested a bit later on. Good choice, choice. I can take it when you're on TV. Aside from the coup this week and the Boris Brexit chaos, where to begin? Well, Disability News Service, my mate John Pring, dropped a brilliant but really concerning article about DWP staff forcing Universal Credit claimants to take medication or attend medical appointments in return for getting their welfare entitlement. Oh my goodness. Yes, well, if you can believe it, I think you probably can well believe it. This is just another step in the hostile environment for sick, chronically ill and disabled people. Should we be surprised by this from the DWP? No, it is an ongoing saga with universal credit. Many people have been warning about this for years, but now it appears we are approaching the very thin end of the wedge. Because this just sums up the chaos that is universal credit more broadly. And with the new DWP Secretary Therese Coffey, I know all about her, she's from my neck of the woods, Suffolk Coastal Constituent MP, I don't think things are going to get any better. There's nothing funny about the clownish... Meanwhile, speaking of not getting any better, if you wanted any more evidence that the Israeli government is a far-right regime, just check out Netanyahu planning to annex parts of the West Bank in a pre-election pledge this week. My goodness, that man has no boundaries whatsoever. There was international upcry, not least from other Middle Eastern countries. Will he go through with it? Mm, it's hard to say whether it was just bluster and buffooning before an election. I mean, he's in a lot of trouble himself, but we shall see. But yes, more evidence of his far-right credentials. Family. And staying in the UK, we had the news this week that domestic violence murders have skyrocketed in the past five years. In 2018, there were 173 people killed by their partners in domestic violence murder incidents. That is an increase on 32 on the previous year, 2017. However, the news reporting of this was extremely skewed. What stood out for me was the fact that hmm, BBC News did not actually say the percentage increase, which they usually do when we're talking about facts, figures and statistics. No, why didn't they say that? Because 2017 to 2018, that represents a 22% increase in murders under the bracket of domestic violence. That is absolutely shocking. And of course what BBC News didn't do either was give any context to these murders in terms of cuts to legal aid, cuts to women's aid, austerity, poverty, inequality, universal credit where the finances can only go to one person. No, no context at all. I mean one news reporter even after the question that, well should women be leaving these relationships? Um, no, men should stop raping, murdering women, maybe. Mr. Speaker, 
We all- and of course, that ties in with the fact that um, rape convictions were also down last year as well. Another staggering set of statistics. But in the current environment we have in the UK, unfortunately, it is of little surprise. Would he increase investment in carbon capture and storage? Will he back us? Speaking of the current environment we have in the UK, here is the second track I would like to play you. plan to reach net zero. Calm yourself, man. Take some sort of soothing medicament and you'll feel better as a consequence. Speaking of the current environment we have in the UK, here is the second track I would like to play you. I could talk all day about Boris Johnson, about the proroguing of Parliament, which I'm sure we all watched on Monday night. My goodness, what a sorry state of affairs that was. All this archaic procedure within their ermine robes, all the lords. My goodness, that was a load of bollocks, wasn't it? I applaud the MPs who broke with convention and started this little mini-protest next to the Speaker, and all the ones who sh- were shouting across at the Conservatives. However, if you want an example of the state of the UK, it is the fact that we still adhere to these centuries-old values. But anyway, yes, it is an absolute mess, but you don't need me to talk about that. I think one track sums it up very well, and loads of you requested this track as the theme music to this week's Top Cage podcast, but already there's been a hullabaloo with it, with download and streaming sites not publishing it when they were supposed to. You can check out my next acts timeline on Twitter for this, but it is, of course, what you guys requested. This is Captain Scar, and it sums up quite neatly the week's news. This is Captain Scar with Fuck Boris. Captain Scar, hashtag Fuck Boris. Here we go. what you promote racist words that you spoke watermelon smiles and i quote your ego sure likes to gloat disrespecting the muslim folk picking in his letterbox slurs my culture is not a joke <clears throat> let me clear your throat why are immigrants a scapegoat why is politics a cutthroat don't give a damn how poor people cope you did not get the people's vote Tug of war on the brexit road lost souls hang on the brinks of hope f-e-a are no antidote Lying and dishonest, this racist idiotic Things are getting toxic That's why we hashtag Fuck Boris Don't believe the promise, don't split a hobbit Democracy abolished That's why we hashtag Fuck Boris When I say fuck, you say Boris Fuck Boris Fuck Boris When I say fuck, you say Boris Fuck Boris Fuck when I say fuck, you say Boris fuck. Fuck. When I say fuck, you say Boris fuck. Fuck. Lying and dishonest. This racist idiotic. Things are getting toxic. That's why we hashtag fuck Boris. Don't believe the promise. Donald's little hobbit. Democracy abolished. That's why we hashtag fuck Boris. Lying and dishonest. This racist idiotic. Things are getting toxic. That's why we hashtag Fuck Boris. Soaring above this week's top stories, I'm free flying with My guests plural on today's podcasts are two of my fellow flock. Of Canaries, two of my favourite writers and two of my favourite editors, obviously. Not that I'm biased towards anyone at the Canary, of course. Quick disclaimer there. 
you may have seen on their social media and through their writing at the Canary that they have been part of one of the most important direct action movements that happens every other year. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I went there myself in 2017 to witness it firsthand. And they have been on the front line along with two other Canary journalists reporting directly from the heart of East London. Um, and there was, a, there was a bit of an affray with the police as well, just to, just to add into that mix. But we'll talk about that later. Um, this is an extremely, extremely important topic, which has ramifications geopolitically worldwide. Um, it, it, it's quite the subject, so we're going to try and sort of drill down into it as best we can. I'm very pleased to be able to introduce to the Top Long Cage podcast fabulous editors at the Canary, the fantastic Emily Apple and the amazing Freya Lockley. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on. I, I will add the disclaimer that you haven't long been back from this um, direct action for the past several weeks so you are you are a bit exhausted so thank you so much for coming on to do this pleasure hello hello <laughs> emily's sitting there like i'm trying to stay awake i'm trying to stay awake i'm trying to stay awake <laughs> She's all good. She's going to be great, listeners. Don't worry about it. It's brilliant. Now, as I said, if you've seen their social media and if you've been following the output from the Canary, we are, of course, talking about the Stop the Arms Fair camp action protest that has been going on in the past few weeks. This is all about the DSEI, the Defence and Security Equipment International Arms Fair. It's the world's largest arms fair held biannually in London. Um, How to sum this up? Well, essentially, I suppose, guys, it's a who's who of right rogue corporatists and disaster capitalists, really. You've got everyone there, every defence manufacturer going, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon via BAE Systems. It's supported by the UK government um, via the Department for International Trades, Defence and Security Organisation. And policing, well, in 2017, it just... It cost the Met just under £1 million, and that was only in direct policing costs. Every time there is this arms fair, this is absolutely fantastic movement of people which camps up and does loads of different actions and events and protests throughout the week. It always culminates on Saturday with the festival. As I said, I went there in 2017. It's absolutely fantastic. But Fran and Emily were there along with it. It was Tom and Eliza, wasn't it, um, guys you were with? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, 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 excellent. So four Canary journalists on the ground, um, non-stop reporting and coverage of this. Okay, Emily, let's start with you. Um, I mean, I was there in 2017, you were there in 2017, um, and we're now in 2019. So how was the the sort of the, the days and days of action compared to 2017? Was it bigger? Was there more people there? Um, was the press presence higher or lower overall? How did it compare on previous years, this year's action for you? Um, I think it was quite similar to 2017 in the way there were different days covering different issues. So, for example, on the Monday, there was a day of Palestine action. Um, there was a faith day. Um, and as you said, we had the um, Festival of Resistance that was also supported by the Kurdish community and the Kurdish Freedom Movement and Amrise Up Rojava. And... Throughout the week, people took actions, they did lock-ons, probably slightly smaller numbers than in 2017, I'd say, Um, but still a lot of energy and a lot of good things going on, and the setup, this whole week of action is designed to stop the setup of the arms fair itself. And it was definitely delayed with trucks not being able to get in, and vehicles being mounted by people and sort of stuff like that. 
I think it's also worth noting this is actually the 20th year of Dicey. Um, and I've been involved in campaigning against it since 1999. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a long old haul. Um, and we've seen fluctuations in protests over the years and differences in tactics over the years. But for the last few dices, as you said, in, in um, 2017, I think in 2015 as well, it's been focused about around the camp and stopping it happening before it starts. But then there were also some actions throughout the week as well with people confronting um, arms dealers and disrupting boat displays. <laughs> and um, Who was that I- then? Um, we'll get on to that later. um but there there was a really good energy throughout the week and um i think freya is going to talk about the policing more generally but i would say things like uh in terms of um monitoring what the police are doing one thing that was very clear stop and searches we're back again lots of stops and searches for criminal damage something we haven't seen for many years at dicey and especially on the Palestine and the Kurdish days, a lot of institutional racism from the Met, um, as they were the days that were met with a lot more violence. I mean, just quickly, Emily, um, you say it's sort of numbers maybe seem slightly down on this year. Do you think that's an effect of the, the amount of other, for want of a better phrase, shit that's going on in the country, that sort of um, uh, protest organisations, direct action groups are being pulled left, right and centre? And obviously we've had, to, we've had the rise of our, our delightful friends, Extinction Rebellion. Um, <clears throat> um, do you think there's, there's been an effect of that, that, just the fact that things in this country are sort of deteriorating so much that people are being pulled left right and center and it is a case of right what what organization and what direct action do i support i mean or or is there something else at play do you think i think so i mean we had all the stop the coup stuff going on at the same time and i think one of the things that we really really need to do with a lot of these sort of campaigns is a lot more joined up thinking because for me the arms trade and things like dicey are things that encompass everything that we're trying to oppose. So we've got money from the government subsidising the arms trade while we've got people dying through austerity. We've got the military that's one of the biggest polluters in the world and we've got a chance to do something about it rather than block dead space in central London and actually take direct action against the things that are actually happening in front of us and we can actually have an impact on. So I think in terms of, I mean, there was a climate day, but I'm not quite sure how well those links were made with the military as a polluter rather than just the impact of the arms trade. Um, And just look at capitalism, neoliberalism, everything that is wrong in the world is linked up into the arms trade. So for me, one of the reasons why I've been involved in this campaign for 20 years is because it encompasses so many different issues. And I think in the past, we've done a lot of work over uniting those issues and really setting out why those issues are interlinked. And I think we need to do more of that work. And I think we need to do more to encourage people to be out on the streets, actually impacting the things that are happening, whether that's at fracking sites, whether it's at places like Dicey, whether it's at HS2. We need to be taking direct action against these things where we can stop them happening rather than action which is basically begging the government to do something we have this power we need to be using this power 
And I think that's the fundamental flaw of a lot of the protest movement at the moment. Yep, nothing wrong with your brain today, Emily Apple. Um, exactly, spot on. As, as Nicola Jeffrey would always say, um, we seem to have forgot how to do join the dots from when we were children, and, and exactly so. Freya, so policing, more heavy-handed, um, more arrests, more um, abusing of powers, do you think, this year? What, what, was, what was the policing like? What, what were the most sort of nefarious aspects of it this year? As far as we know so far, there were at least 116 arrests. But as well as the arrests, there were the police presence was intimidating to a lot of people who may just have been there other, to protest peacefully, who may not have put themselves in the path of, of being arrested. One thing I noted in particular was the police response to press. I mean, I was bruised and shoved on several occasions, holding my press card, just trying simply, on, because on some days I was there with a press card, on other days... I took the press card off and I wasn't. But both of those incidents that happened to me, total strangers stepped in and photographed them, witnessing me holding up my press card. And, I, you know, I, I left on Monday with bruises from simply trying to report on what was going on. And I saw a lot of that going on around. I think one of the, one of the, the harshest ones I saw was when the Kurdish community simply tried to cross the road with a banner. And... The response to that was totally disproportionate. You know, it, these were peaceful people from the Kurdish community. There were several brutal, pretty violent scuffles and, and violent arrests during that as well. I know that one woman was holding a baby and the police response was so extreme to her that they, they pushed her while she was carrying a baby in her arms. Um, on the peace day, I witnessed, I saw what the police did. You know, people were just sitting very calmly, so it, yeah, it was absolutely silent, very, very peaceful. And they were told to move by three o'clock. Had they been allowed to continue for another 15 minutes, their religious service would have been over. But the police wouldn't listen to that. It was very much our rules, that's it. And just in terms of the sheer volume of police there, I mean, it was completely disproportionate to any number of protesters that were there. In a moment, you know, the bat of an eyelid, they could mobilise lines of, you know, 50 to 100 police who were all stacked up behind. So we just think about the cost of that, about everything else going on in London, about the fact that, you know, people are constantly saying there aren't enough police, you know, out on the streets anyway. And yet there they all are trying to prevent mostly peaceful protest and where there were any people taking any form of direct action, a completely disproportionate police response to anything that was taking place. Looking forward to 2021, I mean, what, what is the best course of action that we can do from now until the next Dicey Fair to get the point across that all these issues are interlinked and if people want to throw their energy into something to do direct action about, that it should be about stop the arms fair? What's, what's the most crucial thing that we can be doing to get that message across, do you think, between now and 2021? I think there are several things. I think continually making those links, um, getting that message out there and really drilling down into that message with some really sort of detailed research on how it it all links up. But I also don't think we should wait until 2021. The arms trade trade is happening every day. Um, 
arms companies have factories, they have offices around the UK where these weapons are being made. We all have the power to go and shut these places down. They operate because of profit. We can eat into that profit. As the saying goes, you hit them where it hurts. It hurts them in the pocket. Go shut those offices down. Cause disruption. Make sure they can't make that money. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that we can do. When I was sitting in the road on Saturday, I was thinking about all the friends and people I'd interviewed when I was out in Ahmed in Turkey um, earlier in the year. What so many people have said to me, whether it's politicians, former prisoners, families of prisoners, activists, they've all spoken about the complicity of the UK government in arming Turkey and the complicity of the UK government in the repression of the Kurdish people and about how we need to make those links. And some of this is just about basic solidarity. We've got people in Yemen, in Kurdistan, in Palestine, being killed, maimed, repressed and tortured by weapons that are made in the UK. The people who make those weapons, who are making the money, they go home to their nice, safe homes. They don't get to think about the consequences of their actions. We need to be reminding of, their, of those consequences on a daily basis. We need to be in their faces and we need to be shutting it down. It is not good enough. It is in our names if we're not doing something about it and we've all got the power to do something about it. Freya, anything else to add to that? I, I was going to say the same thing. You know, I'm not waiting till 2021. It, you know, yes, and also let's not forget, you know, Dicey is the biggest arms fair. It takes place in London. But meanwhile, there's arms fairs all over the world. You know, it, it, this 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 trade doesn't stop. They move from one country to another and they take those exhibitions everywhere. And meanwhile, the factories are still making every single component they need to make those weapons, some of them legal, some of them illegal. And that never stops. I think that's the key thing to remember. It, Dicey may be a focus that we've just, you know, we've just come back from, but it, it's, it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of the industry. Absolutely, and uh, I think I think that's an absolutely brilliant way to finish up because, as you say, this this cog keeps on turning in in the wheel of corporatism, as it were. And um, yeah, it's we need to be doing things all the time surrounding this. And I look forward, although, like you say, we have to carry on. I look forward to twenty twenty one when Nicola's health will be much improved and we'll be able to be at the XL Centre in East London with you both of us. So I look forward to September twenty twenty one. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant work as always, Freya and Emily. That's absolutely fantastic. Really, really important points there and so eloquently summed up. As I said, nothing wrong with your brains today. Um, so go home and have a sleep and I'll dread to think what you're going to be like tomorrow. <laughs> But absolutely, and so much respect for you for doing what you did this year. Um, as I said, I, I wished that me and Nicola could have been there, but absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about it. I will link to all the articles that you've done in the show notes to this episode. But for the minute, fellow Canaries, thank you so much for coming on the Top Line Cage podcast. Thank you for having us. Bye. Time for you guys to be on Cage because Twitter chirps back. 
Yes, it is that time of the week again. It is Twitter Chirps Back, where I give you the chance to air your dirty news laundry in public. You get to have your say on the week's top stories. Very simple. I put out a tweet on the Thursday night, around about the time question time goes on. You reply to that, telling me your views on the news, and I will read them out. Really, really easy peasy. So, what have we got this week? Uh, Let me have a quick look. Um, Benefits News. Hello. You've been commenting a lot. I have to say, Benefits News says, with no deal Brexit and hashtag Yellowhammer, hashtag Black Swan, deceiving the Queen and Scott judges finding the way proroguing Parliament was unlawful and that Boris would be willing to break the law, we hope that nobody will vote Conservatives in the next election as they are a disgrace. Nobody should vote for Brexit Parp. <laughs> Brexit Parp. It is time for Farage to get back down his jacker box and nobody turn that handle again. Don't fall for Tice's charm and hashtag Cummings must go. Then Benefits News continues. My God, you've got a lot to say this week, Benefits News. Um, he continues, it's wholly saddened that the iconic world-recognised Mr Speaker John Burko is basically pulled into submission. We hoped he would be around for years, yet as he is part of the furniture, suits the role and we find him fair, especially when he tells the very rude Tories off. Deep breath from me. Yes, Benefits News, thank you very much for all that. Um, Yes, of course, I agree. I'm, I'm not so convinced about John Burko, to be honest. He's, well, he, he might be a bit of a liberal one in the mould of Ken Clark, but he's still a rotten old Tory, and check out his voting record for that. Yes, he may pull the Tories down a peg or two in the chamber. However, he is still one of them, and everything that comes with. So, am I saddened to see him go? Hmm, he was the best of a bad bunch, I'd have to say. And trust me, it is a very, very, very bad bunch. What else have we got? Um, Oh, I've had a compliment. I've had a compliment. Max, at Maximu. Um, he said, love the show. Just listen to your Yellow Man episode. That is my Top Long Cage special with dancehall artist Yellow Man and his daughter Karima. Check it out. Link will be in the show notes. Um, he said, love the show. Listen to your Yellow Man episode. No more war. That's the name of Yellow Man's album. Um, he says, hope you'll have the skinny this week on what happened with Fuck Boris distribution. Yes, well, I've, I've, I've had the skinny. I'm not sure what that means, had the skinny. I've never heard that expression before. This is a northern term, Max. Um, I have had the skinny guest. Apparently there was issues with the language in Captain Scar's song, and that's why downloading streaming sites have not released it yet. Wait and see whether there's more on that as the week progresses, Max. Thank you so much for your comment. I really appreciate you saying you love the show as well. Much love to you. Um, pause Radio. Oh, yes, my sound engineer, Gav Pause. Follow him on Twitter, it's at Pause with Z Radio. He simply commented with lots of fire icons. Thank you, Pause. Yes. What else we got? Um, uh, Matt. V the gaslight at Maxatra. He said, um, pretty much every policy of control is achieved by hashtag gaslighting and hashtag gaslighting by emission. It blows my mind how people fall into the trap of arguing and debating symptoms instead of taking away the shovel of those who dig these graves for those they have the power over. Yes, um, gaslighting seems to be a very, very, very pertinent technique of the Conservative Party and government departments as well, doesn't it, Matt? Indeed, you're quite right. Yes, I'm literally goading people on, getting them to react, and then using it as a stick to bash them with. Excellent point Matt love that very good thank you so much um who else we've got Mick at oh deep breath here Mick at Mick 543 uh he says I'm feeling more and more that Johnson's being used as a stooge by the big money guys if it all goes wrong he fails and then they can go over with another MP who will be dazzled by the flattery and power um he also said if Corbyn were to win the money one would bring him down by creating chaos very interesting point Mick yes indeed there was an excellent article from Byline this week I'll put the link to it in the show notes Byline where they revealed that um I think 8.6 billion pounds of money was 
betted in the stock markets, that is, on the fact that we might well have a no-deal Brexit. And it was betted by the same disaster capitalists who support Boris Johnson and the Leave campaign. So, yes, I mean, what more evidence do you need that Boris Johnson's strings are being pulled by these disaster capitalists, people who make money out of war, poverty and destitution? Fascinating, fascinating article. You really must read it. And thank you to Mick for your comment. Last up, we're back to Benefits News again. I think he'd want me to read this out. Um, He said, whilst Benefits News is hogging this session, are you Benefits News? News, um, would like to draw special attention to the plight of a young lady with 16 plus medical conditions who has been denied disability benefits and needs help to purchase medications as the NHS can't help. So any listeners want to hashtag donate, please contact Topple. Yes, is of course the story of the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey, um, who is really, really, really sort of under it with the amount of illnesses she is living with. Um, so yes, twi- check out my Twitter for more details on that. Otherwise, that is it. Thank you very much for all your comments for this week's Twitter chirps back. Enlightening as always and a big mix of topics covered there will be a tweet out next thursday night where you can get involved there your dirty news laundry and don't forget ignore bbc qt and here's this week's banger in revolutionary bird song oh my goodness my guest on today's show has just released probably one of the most exciting eps of the year i sat down to put this on and i was absolutely blown away not least because it is a slight departure from her previous track she's released but just the quality of her voice and the quality of the reduction and arrangement on this is absolutely stunning i know i say this a lot listeners but it's because i only have the best guests on this podcast and this will be for me one of the records of the year. I'm so excited to speak to her because she's right up my street vocally and musically as well. It is an absolute pleasure to be able to welcome onto the podcast Sharita. Sharita, thank you so much for coming on. I am genuinely excited to be able to speak to you about your EP. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here and talking about the project with you. Thank you so much. Now, this EP, Sharita, Conversations in Key, my goodness, um, I've where to begin with it. It is an absolutely stunning, stunning debut. Um, it, it, the Thank kind you. Of, no problems kind of to give an overview i mean all the all the elements are there if you like the production is top quality um obviously because you're you're with ghetto youths international so it's mm-hmm. going to be top quality the arrangements are absolutely superb songwriting and lyricism is brilliant but it is your voice which stands out it absolutely blew me away i mean just to Thank talk you. Just to talk through some of the tracks for for the listeners at home, um, the EP opens with Don't Fail Me Now, which is this stunning kind of classic R&B ballad mm-hmm. with, with a stripped back piano line, which allows your voice to take complete centre stage. But what you do so masterfully in it, and we'll come on to this a bit later, is you give this wonderfully controlled performance throughout it. It, it kind of it builds almost to this crescendo and this powerhouse climax, and you do effortless flipping between your chest and your head voice and it, it, put, it put me in mind the Gladys Knight actually the way you have you're in full full control of your voice throughout it it's absolutely powerhousing performance you then go Thanks. into conversation which is this kind of funky soul track and then you, you break out into Sing Jay in the middle of it yeah. which is like wow <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you do a mean Sing Jay as well you spit like the best of them Sharita <laughs> 
that was great. Then there's the wonderful duet with Siobhan, which is Can't We Stay, which is back to kind of R&B ballad territory. But within it, you do do more complex vocal riffs. And Siobhan with you, he immediately put me in mind of Brian McKnight, by the way, straight away when I heard it. Um, he, His and your voice complement each other beautifully and your harmonies. It, it, it's, the harmonies are almost like you have double layered the track. They are so yeah. perfectly in time with each other. It's just a joy joy to listen to that track with the duet with um, Siobhan. Then we're going to Sometimes and what I found with that and what struck me about Sometimes is it's this gorgeous composition because there's this wonderful bit which appears several times in it where the chord change goes to the um, sixth and the root of the chord. And it it takes you kind of a bit by surprise because you're not expecting it. But but then it works perfectly. Um, Absolutely delicious little little musical device in there. Woman to Woman then is completely different. It's almost, uh, it's kind of two-step R&B and it brought back memories for me of um, Rodney Darkchild Jerkins. Um, yeah, but yeah. what you've done is brought it smack bang into 2019 because there's less of the emphasis on the bass line and more of emphasis on the instrumental arrangements but then with that same kind of percussive kind of two-step mm-hmm. uh, two-step effect and then the EP finishes off with Hay which is just this fantastic sort of anthemic gospel soul lace track um with this kind of almost marching marching beat on the drums um and and you kind of flip it into a sort of almost rock territory at points um just absolutely absolutely gorgeous and the whole project sharita is just mind-blowing it's absolutely fantastic you should be so proud of what you've achieved with it really because it it absolutely it took me by surprise i have to say and it absolutely blew me away so it's it's absolutely phenomenal i have to say Thank you very, very much. It's a wonderful synopsis of the whole thing. I could, I couldn't have done it better. Really, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You really got it. <laughs> Thank you. I try my best because I, I, I like to, I like to properly listen. Do you know what I mean? I don't just hear something. I do try and listen yeah. to it. I mean, how long has conversations in key been in the making? Because it's such a complex, complex piece of work and project. Um, but was it one of these pieces which just kind of came together, as it were, magically, or, or has it been a long time in the planning and making for you? Uh, well, when it started, there wasn't actually a conversations in key. It was really uh, just a bunch of songs mm. that I had, and I knew that I wanted to put something out. So. Some songs are as far back as, I think, 2015, I think. Um, Can We Stay was written in 2015. Um, and it was just a song I had with Siobhan. I just never really did anything with it at the time. Mm. And I think Woman to Woman came, what was about 2016. Uh, a few of the songs were, were newer, but it was just songs I had. And then I met Sean Diedrich, who is a co-producer on the, the project. He's a Grammy-winning producer mm. with... Um, Damon Marley and he also plays in the band because I toured with Damon Marley and when we met up you know I, I we, we had we found very good chemistry with each other where music was concerned and we started you know playing each other's tracks and so on so he even ended up he was he was the one that produced Conversation it was his track mm. that actually that song was written in a heartbeat because I went to Miami for rehearsals and he, he sent me some tracks and I heard that when I just started writing I had rehearsal to go to like in five minutes and I finished <laughs> the demo and everything before I went out to go to rehearsal. so you know it was just it was just songs that just came together at different points in time and then I said I wanted to do a project hmm. and we did songs and um, it was, 
nothing was clear at the beginning. Okay. Because, you know, it, sometimes it, as a part of the musical journey, especially I, I will, for me, the musical process, the creative process can be so confusing sometimes because I just want to do stuff. And then sometimes you don't see where people are going to understand and you kind of get bogged down by yeah, those thoughts. Yeah. So, you know, we just pushed through and then eventually I found the name of the, when I looked at the, the collection of songs that we chosen, I found a name for it. And then funny enough, Conversations ended up being the last song on the EP. And how that happened was um, Can We Stay, which was, it was supposed to be a, a piano track at first. And Sean insisted, no, he wanted to play guitars on it. Mm. And he sent it to a guitarist, a great guitarist, Dan Warner, who unfortunately passed away yesterday. I'm still, you no, know, shaking up. By it. Yeah. And when he, when Dan played on the song and sent it back to me, I remember I was driving in St. Mary on one Friday night and I couldn't believe what he had done with it. I was in tears. I was screaming. I was laughing everything at once. And when that song came, it, it meant that I had to take one of the other songs that I had on it off because okay. it just didn't fit anymore. And then Sean reminded me about this song that we had called Conversation. And then that came onto the project. So and that, 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 at that point, everything was sealed up. So it was, uh, it took about, uh, let's see, four years, you know, mm. but seriously concentrating on putting the project together took about two years. I mean, it shows you t you took that time over it because it, yeah. every element of it is top class. It it really Thank really you. is um, fantastic. But you're not um, you haven't come from nowhere, as it were, at all. I mean, you re mm -hmm. you've released a, a few tracks prior to this, but your yeah. grounding in the music industry is is very very solid, isn't it? Because you've you've been you've been treading your path to this point for many many years. I mean, just tell me. I know you've you, <laughs> I've been I've been doing my reading up on you. And actually, uh -huh. your kind of musical journey is quite complex and it's very multifaceted yeah. and there's a lot, yes. lot going on. So I'm presenting you with the challenge, Sharita, of summing up your musical <laughs> journey for the listeners, if you can. I mean, where, where did this all, all begin, however many years ago, for you? When did, when did you first start singing, I suppose? And then how did we get to this point? 2019, Conversations in Key. I have been singing for our, almost all my life. My parents told me that when my sister when, and I, when we were babies... We used to scream a lot in the house. And my mom used to say, those girls are going to be able to sing. And my father's <laughs> like, no. But you know, we grew up, I grew up in, I call it a semi-musical home. Because my mom, she has a beautiful voice. She doesn't actually use it much, though. And my father can hold a note. My grandmother, his mom, she sings. I have a few other singers in the family. I play keyboards and sing, play a few other instruments. My sister plays the bass and a few other instruments, and she sings. And then I grew up in church. And the whole, I had a whole um, selection of some of Jamaica's greatest musicians and singers around me. I grew up with them. They not only played in church, but they played for a lot of the stars in, mm. in Jamaica, a lot of reggae stars. And, um, you know, I, I, music was always there. In high school, I was a part of the steel band and a few other music groups. But I wasn't clear on what I wanted to do with music up until I defied my parents and left sixth form one year early and went to Edna Manley College. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> when I, <laughs> when I, and which... <laughs> I didn't even finish Edna Manley because <laughs> before I could get very far in it, I actually started doing all the work I went to college to learn. Okay. So while at Edna Manley, um, thanks to a friend of mine at the time, I met Dean Fraser, Mikey Bennett, and um, I, later on I met Donovan Germain. But it was Mikey Bennett um, who, at his studio Grafton, it was, that was the first studio that I did, started doing backing vocals in. Mm. And from there, you know, 
Dean Fraser frequented the studio. He still does. And he heard a track that I had done backing vocals on. And I met him from there and started working with him. And then from there, he had me to work with Taurus Riley. And I worked with him for a couple of years. I toured with Diana King, um, doing Stevenson, Gentleman, mm. uh, eventually. And then finally, Damien Marley. And with Donovan Germain, I was around Penthouse for a while. Still, I'm there. I'm still family. But that's where I actually started doing hands-on work as a studio engineer. started learning how to use Pro Tools and the board and everything. And, you know, that prompted me to, to because I was doing so much work in, in studio to set up my, my own home studio, where, which is where I work from now. And in the time I've worked with, wow, it's probably easier for me to say who I haven't worked with. <laughs> I think of anybody right now. But um, I've done songs for everybody. Chronics, Taurus. I've written for Taurus as well. I've written for Etana, um, Warrior Love, and another song called Trigger. And um, in terms of songs I've done, popular songs I've done back in vocals on Chronics, Never Give Up. And um, I've done Taurus Riley, Give Me a Little One Drop, and Don't Come Back. Uh, Sasko, Agent Sasko yeah, yeah. is winning right now. Nesbeth, um, My Dream. Every time I do this, my mind goes blank because there are literally <laughs> so many songs. It's literally hundreds of songs. Probably I'm probably close to a thousand if I haven't passed it yet. I stopped counting years ago. Bloody so I'm doing quite a bit of work. And now it was just, I felt like, okay, I've, I, I, I now know what I want to say as an artist. I know what I want to to express what I want to create. And, you know, working with Sean too has helped me to to gain some confidence in terms of production and, and, and what I really want to do because he always says I have a very unconventional approach to production and he says it's a, it's an asset. And I wasn't sure about it before, but, you know, working with him has helped me to develop that. And that's where, you know, putting these songs together and actually coming into the spotlight, so to speak, as an artist at, at the forefront, that's how that door opened. And Conversations in Key is my first um, attempt at production. I did pretty much all the tracks except um, except Conversation. There were demos or ideas that I actually played or, you know, did beats for. Hey, aside from the key- keyboards and the guitars and I think a few other things, I did all the instrumentation for that other than other than those two main instruments. So it's, it's just been a journey of, you know, meeting wonderful people, being fortunate and you know, new experiences and new skills gained along the way, and that's what brings me to conversations in key. Good grief! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my first impression is actually the sort of first thought that sprang to my mind was you've you you've put the graft in over the years. You you've done it in sort of almost this very traditional way. Do you know? What yeah. I mean? Do you know? Starting out, sort of um, singing in singing in choirs and singing at home, and then right training properly and then put, putting earning your stripes almost doing backing vocals and working for mm-hmm. other artists and it's it's kind of classic fairy tale um yeah. musician yeah. do you know what yeah. i mean it's, it's kind of yeah. it's exactly that kind of thing um and i mean i'm so thrilled you're to this point Sharita, mm-hmm. i can chat for you to you for hours i could talk to you for hours too <laughs> <laughs> but but i'm gonna have to wrap this up which i'm really i'm quite okay. annoyed about it actually I could, I could keep chatting to you for ages you're an absolute star it's brilliant um but just to wrap up this interview i mean what's in store for the rest of the year obviously you're going to be promoting conversations in mm-hmm. key any anything else are you taking on the road yet 
Not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to by the end of the year, but definitely early 2020, if not by the end of the year. But we are doing promotions. We're finishing up videos and um, and preparing some other um, interesting things that I want to do in terms of exposing, you know, my music and, and that kind of thing. Okay. So I'll be working on a lot of things in studio and not just my studio, like record video studios and that kind of thing too. So it's it's going to be a very, very creative remainder of 2019 excellent i absolutely (laughs) love the sound of that my goodness it has been a joy to speak to you sharita i mean as i as i keep saying conversations in key is absolutely fantastic all the links to download it will be in the show notes this program but it's a masterful piece of work and and your voice is a a thing of supreme beauty it's absolutely fantastic and you're lovely to speak to as well my goodness (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast for the first time please come back again so we can chat some more i will i definitely will thank you but for the minute sharita thank you so much for coming on you're welcome thanks for having me i have to say that interview with sharita is up there with the best of the ones i've done my goodness she's absolutely fantastic i had such a interesting and great time speaking to her she's absolutely wonderful blow me away love her love her love her brilliant absolutely brilliant and of course conversations in key as i keep banging on about is absolutely stunning all the links will be in the show notes to download it i suggest you get yourself a copy now but for the meantime here is a taster of what is in store when you do listen to conversations in key This is the opening track from the EP. It's the one we spoke about where she gives this powerhouse performance, as you'll hear. This is Don't Fail Me Now by Sharita. Don't fail me now. Oh, what a shadow of a life I used to live. Your love is a light into the dark you freely give. All I Please don't fail me now Cause on my own I might lose my way somehow My undying faith in you Is all I can return And if I must follow you to heaven on my own I might lose my way somehow With you I believe in love and dreams Once again You broke down the walls You healed my hurt Once again And all of the fear and doubt in me They disappeared on my own I might lose my way somehow You are my strength You lift me up You set me free As sure as the rising sun 
That's it. Series 2, episode 18 of Top Lung Caged is done. I'd like to thank my fantastic guests this week, the incredible Emily Apple and Freya Lockley. Follow them on Twitter. It's at Emily Apple at Freya Lockley. And the incredible Sharita. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Sharita Sings. As always, behind the scenes, thank you to the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Nicholas E. Jeffrey. My man behind the booth, sound engineer Gap Pause. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Pause with AZ Radio. And my in-house singer, it's Ray Star Music. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Ray underscore Star 113. Thank you to the Gary for engaging me. I will see you again soon. Uncaged.